Hi, this is Sheldon Primus with Safety Consultant with Sheldon Primus. That's the podcast that helps you learn the business of being a safety consultant. I'm going to continue that tradition right now with Safety Consulting 101. This is the second annual Safety Consultant 101 that we're going to do. And I am going to go over everything to finding your perfect client, choosing the name that will fit and resonate with that client. We're going to learn how to write proposals. Can I have a one-on-one time for those people who would like to speak with me one-on-one and time to reflect about what we learn? Learn about partnerships and CEUs and how to use those to boost your business. Learn about event coordination, email marketing, and even instructional design. That's Safety Consulting 101. To find out more information about the event, go to viewstub.com forward slash safety consulting 101. That's viewstub.com forward slash safety consulting 101. Wow, that party was bear peng last night. Want to come to a party in my yard? Yeah, um, um... Uh, okay, man. If you don't want to head, catch you later. Wait, wait, wait. I don't understand. A recent survey of SGI students found that a staggering 91% of non-native speakers have been confused or unsure of what an English person was saying because they were using slang. If you don't want to miss out on the party, search for The Slang Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or head to our website, theslangpodcast.com, where you can listen and learn all the British slang you need. This episode is powered by Safety FM. This podcast is being sponsored by safetyconsultantblueprint.com. In this episode, we talk to Nathan Brayman, who you may know as Redbeard Safety. We talk about recordability for OSHA injuries and illnesses. We also talk about business of being a consultant part-time while you're still working at your full-time company and many other things. Hi, everybody. Todd Conklin. I know lots of you get your information while you drive down the road or sit on planes or sit in meetings and look interested. And now you should know that three of my books are available for your listening pleasure on Audible. With the help of Jay Allen and Safety FM, we've produced three of the books, Workplace Fatalities, The Five Principles of Human Performance, and my very first book, Simple Revolutionary Acts, and they're available now where you get audiobooks. Okay, yeah, my name is Nathan Brayman. Uh, I am also known as Redbeard on LinkedIn. Uh, I figured that was a little bit more memorable, a little little stickier, you know? People, Absolutely. no one's going to remember Nathan Brayman, right? But people will remember Redbeard, so. And I'm um, kidding, it and, is a long, beautiful red beard, and I'm like, whoa, fire. <laughs> yeah, I actually refer to it now as, as a mane, not even a beard anymore. <laughs> you know, it's almost like, I don't have a beard. The beard has me. You oh, know? there you go. <laughs> uh, you know, right he's wearing me at this point. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm into um, occupational safety. Um, uh, it all started back in the, when I was went into the Marine Corps. Um, I was in 7051 Crash Fire Rescue, and I ended up 
which is basically just uh, crash crew. It's, it's airport firefighting. Um, I was injured in the Marine Corps. I got out with an honorable discharge in 2003. Uh, went back to school for fire science. So I went to uh, just a community college around here and got my fire science degree. Figured maybe I can be an arson investigator or something like that. I yeah. uh, found out there really weren't, you know, there's not much of a job market for that. Very difficult to get into that. <clears throat> and I knew I wanted to get you know, continue on with my education uh, and found occupational safety and looked into the job market and job market's really good. Um, pretty high paying for just, you know, straight out of college. I think at the time, the average straight out of college pay was around 55000 uh, which is really good for yeah, right yeah. out of college. And so then um, um, my professors encouraged me to stick around and get a master's. And, and so I did that. Um, and then from there, I was hired by a company called Berkshire Hathaway Energy out of Des Moines, and I've been working there full-time. That's my full-time gig as a corporate safety manager. Ooh, nice. Um, so going on about eight years, um, and through those eight years, um, I got to work with 15 different companies, uh, large companies, 20,000 employees total. I think it's more like 23,000 now, or maybe even more, uh, way more if you count contractors. Uh, more like 60,000 if you count contractors. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, some of the questions I would get um, from these uh, safety leaders uh, or safety leads, as I refer to them, across these different businesses, um, a lot of the, uh, what I found was is a lot of them were lacking in their uh, OSHA record keeping expertise. You know, these guys have 20, 30 years, decades of experience. And you know, a lot of them are mentors to me. A lot of them I look up to and I respect greatly. But when it comes to OSHA record keeping, there's, you know, the best safety manager, you know, he's focused on the things that a safety manager should be doing. And OSHA record keeping is, is not as important to them. You know, it's not, it's just, it's just, there's a, there's a hole in the expertise there. So mm -hmm. I would get, I would literally be getting calls from these guys saying, Hey, Nate, is this recordable? Is it recordable? You know, this happened. Is it recordable? And, um, I started realizing that there's this big hole in the market, especially in safety, um, and a lot of misconceptions. And so that's what led to isitrecordable.com. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's kind awesome. of my, my story in a nutshell there. Yeah, well, I, it's funny when um, I, I hear people tell say, oh, well, Sheldon's a, an expert at uh, OSHA recordability in 1904. And I'm like, all right, first and foremost, <laughs> even OSHA, <laughs> there they have to go back and go through you know 1904 and really kind of pick it apart when you when you hear oh, something because yeah. uh I, I i've done several of these presentations before and and i get i get the questions and some of them i'm just like all right let's step back and let's look at this logically oh yeah and then yeah. I've, I've got to figure it out that way. And then some of them just like, I'm done. Let me call Kevin. Kevin's my business partner. Yeah. And he's ex-OSHA. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, we have an ex-OSHA guy here and he's one of the worst at record keeping. Yeah. So, you know, just because you're from OSHA doesn't mean you know everything about it. So. Yeah. And it's absolutely the truth. I, I, I truly see that because even with Kevin, he's uh, he retired. He was uh, retired as the assistant area director of Tampa OSHA office, office in uh, 27 years. I think he did uh, with OSHA. Wow. And then his last position was assistant area director. So me and him have a business call. Oh, he's pretty high up. Yeah. 
<laughs> so yeah. together we partnered for our business. So when we get the record keeping questions and I love record keeping, tell you the truth. I, that's why I was drawn to your site. Uh, once I, I saw, I started going through some of your posts and reading the posts that you have on our LinkedIn group. So uh, just for people mm-hmm. saying linkedin.com and you want to type in OSHA compliance help and that's the group. And the reason I named it OSHA compliance help was that's the name of my company, but also everyone will know OSHA compliance help. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely. How you find us. So what's your most tricky uh, record keeping question just before we get into the consulting part and, and, and the other stuff? <laughs> yeah. See if yeah, I can I got a good one brain on this one. <laughs> okay. It's not yeah, the knitting well, one. The knitting one drives me nuts. I got one. <laughs> all right, buckle up. All right. Um, all right. So we had an employee who was an office employee driving into work. Um, parked in a parking garage and then uh, proceeded to um, fall down the stairwell in the parking garage. Mm. And so I get this call, is it recordable? Right? Um, um, Do you just want me to kind of walk through my experience with this one? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, please do. It may not be, but offhand, I'm saying yes, but go ahead. Okay, okay. Right, right, right. Well, usually yes is the safest answer, right? It's always yeah, like, yeah. you know, when in doubt, just record it kind of thing. It actually um, boils down to that. Isn't that the truth? It is, yeah. And I have to be the bearer of bad news most of the time, you know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, you know, that's the great thing, though, is understanding these record-keeping guidelines is that um, you can help people avoid recording when, they, when it's not necessary. Um, but, but, okay, so she falls down the stairs. I get the call. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nathan, is it, is it recordable? Right. I'm like, well, it's it's your employee, and um, you know the commute is an accepted uh, activity, so we have to determine when the commute ends. Um, well, according to the guidelines, the commute ends when you step foot on the work establishment or the work environment. Mm-hmm. Um, so now the question is, well, she did get out of her vehicle, so. Now the question is: Is has she stepped foot on into the work environment um, uh, to determine whether or not the parking ramp is a work environment? The question was: Is it our ramp or not, or is it a third-party ramp? Okay. Um, and I thought oh, it was going to be easy because if it's a third-party ramp, then it's not recordable because she hadn't ended her commute yet. Mm-hmm. Um, if it is ours, then it is recordable because she did end her commute. Uh, well, so the answer I got back was: Well, it's jointly owned between. Um, with our company and another company, right? So now it's getting more complicated. <laughs> okay, so it's not the parking garage, and it's only this one person's parking garage for their company. It's mm-hmm. actually shared amongst different employers. Exactly. Oh, okay. exactly. Okay. Jointly owned and maintained with another company. So, um, so I was scouring the letters of interpretation, um, and actually found the answer. Uh, is it depends on the contract of the the maintenance contract for that parking garage. So if she falls down a stair, if she fell down a staircase that we are responsible for maintaining, mm-hmm. uh, then that is considered the work establishment, um, and her commute had ended. But if it's the other stairwell that the third party maintains, then it would not have been considered recordable. And in this case, um, it turned out she fell down our staircase. And so it ended up becoming recordable. Yeah. Uh, I have another good one. 
have another good one for you. Let's do it. All right. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. So this this is going to be more. I'm gonna I'm gonna just give you this challenge and see see if you want to take this on. All right. So we Sorry, have uh, do Jeopardy music here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should. Uh, do you have a soundboard or something? I wish. That'd be great. Uh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So employee middle of the day driving from one work site to another on a reasonably direct route of travel from one work site to another stops in at a Casey's General Store, which is just a gas station, right? Mm-hmm. Um, goes in to get a coffee, doesn't even fill up the car. It's a, it's a company-owned vehicle. It doesn't even fill up the car with gas or anything. Just goes in to get coffee in this mm-hmm. gas station. And an out-of-control third-party vehicle comes smashing through the wall like the Kool-Aid man. Wow. And doesn't get off the gas and just plows through all of the, you know, uh, rows of candy, all the aisles, plows mm-hmm. through all of that. Our employee standing in line to pay for his coffee gets run over with both axle. I mean, uh, both wheels go over his body, uh, breaks multiple bones, um, clearly severe enough, right? Of uh, an injury, ends up hospitalized and, you know, um, oh. pretty severe. Um, would that be recordable? Uh, not uh, because if they were getting gas, then generally that would be considered one of the jobs or tasks that you always do uh, when, you know, company vehicles or anything else. But uh, the mere fact that they were just stopping to get coffee, uh, then I wish he would got gas while he was there. <laughs> so, yeah. so, something else like that would have, would have been uh, would have helped it. But oh my goodness, what a bad break! Right, right. It was, it was, it was pretty bad, and and you know he he survived. Um, mm. But yeah, we we ended up recording it. Wow. How much does this mayor of operational leaders? Uh, mm-hmm. So my my boss at the time, he's the vice president of safety for the company, and. Um, he comes to me and he's like, Nate, is it recordable, right? <laughs> and I, I said, I said, look, he, he was on a reasonably direct route of travel. It's not like, you know, he, he stopped off at some store to do some personal errand. Um, OSHA views coffee breaks as part of a normal work day. They even view lunch. Lunch is not an accepted behavior or action activity. You know, that's part of a normal work day. People typically stop to get coffee and that's, that's not an accepted behavior mm-hmm. um and so um you know my advice was to record it and the operational vice president because the way this company is set up uh they set there's a lot of goals uh kpis um incentives that are tied to having fewer incidents yeah yeah which is not the right way to do it don't yeah, do it that way portable okay. injury rates <laughs> their experience modification oh, yeah. rates all that stuff gets exactly <laughs> Right, exactly. And so, you know, it, it, it's not good because there's this built-in conflict of interest where the people making the determinations on whether or not it's recordable uh, have the incentive to not record it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just not a, good, it's not a good system at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's, but that's the way it is. So, uh, so there's a lot of pushback from this operational vice president saying, I'm not going to count this. You know, he doesn't want that negative mark on his report card, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what my boss did, he was an attorney. And so what he did is he reached out to a law firm, paid $800 for an answer from this law firm. And the law firm told them exactly what I had said. Oh, nice. For $800. Yeah. So you you did record it and it counts as recordable because you're looking yep. at the coffee, uh, or excuse me, the stop as a lunch break 
So for me, that was telling me that this worker is is pretty much uh, doesn't report back to the office much, uh, except for maybe uh, pick up things here or there. Is that correct, or yeah. is there something That's else with this person's responsibility? Um, well, they would they would have an office, but they're basically spending time on work sites out and about. Okay. Yep. Recordable. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, that's part of his job is to be out and about. And um, um, isn't you know, this so tricky with the recordability thing? How all of a sudden I could change my mind just with a, a little extra information? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, it's uh, you know, you know, OSHA. If you look at it this way, here, here's one kind of easy trick. Um, uh, you know, if you don't want to dig into all the exceptions and try to find, you know, whether or not, if you don't want to get into the weeds, an easy rule of thumb is essentially to ask the question, if the employee, if the employee was there as a result of working, it's probably going to be recordable, right? Because he would not have stopped there if he hadn't been employed by our company. Yeah, he would not be driving that vehicle. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. He's there as a condition of his employment. That doesn't mean that if you don't show up, you'll be fired. It means, are you there? Would, would you would you have been somewhere else if you hadn't been employed here? Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's you know, OSHA is pretty, it's very inclusive and it's not reasonable. A lot of people try to use their minds and their, their very reasonable, logical brains <laughs> and say <laughs> that this shouldn't off. be recordable. Yeah, because they're like, exactly. Because they say, well, that's not work-related. Going out for a smoke break and twisting your ankle on the curb in the parking lot, surely that's not work-related because he's not doing work. Ah, uh, guess what? Yeah. <laughs> it is work-related because OSHA yeah. presumes work-relatedness. So, yeah. you, you know, if you want to overcome that, you have you have to you have to overcome the presumption. You assume it is work-related. You have to overcome that presumption. Yeah. And there's certain ways to do that, uh, but it get you know you get into the weeds on it. But uh, generally speaking, that's why, you know, earlier when you said you just assume most of the time, if you assume it is recordable, it's, it's a safer bet. Yeah. And I remember um, reading a, a letter of interpretation of the lady who's yeah, doing the, the needlework, uh, the crocheting. I, I, that's the one that I, I mentioned when you first said the, your example. But there's a letter of interpretation. For those of you that don't know what that is, people write OSHA and uh, they say, OSHA, I don't understand the standard. Uh, here's my scenario. Please explain this to me. And then OSHA will give them a response. And then that response mm -hmm. becomes the actual law that they will use. And it becomes something that is uh, where the legal community can take it and start using that for for their purposes. So the letter of interpretation and the frequently asked questions section of record keeping, if you go to OSHA.gov, you go down record keeping, you're going to see a FAQ and it's a whole bunch of those frequently asked questions. And one of them, they give you a scenario and I don't know if you saw the one with the, the lady knitting in on break room. Did you see that one? Mm -hmm. No, I haven't seen that one. So this is the scenario. A lady's uh, knitting in the break room, and uh, she ends up lacerating herself and needs stitches. So uh, the person writing this letter asks, you know, this can't be recordable because she is at lunch. <laughs> and she... That's uh, what you think. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. So it boiled down to she's there at the condition of her employment, so therefore yep. that action is recordable. That's right. And and they and they talk about you know people like to interpret things. They like to cherry pick and interpret things uh, in their own favor, right? Confirmation bias, a little bit. 
but mm -hmm. uh, especially when you're incentivized to not have recordables uh, uh, reported. Um, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's, there's language in there that says if the event occurred in the work environment, then it's presumed work-related. And the pushback I get a lot is, well, there's no event. Yeah, and I'm like, what do you mean there's no event? The event is <laughs> the fact that it even surfaced at work. And the event could be as simple as walking down a hallway, tripping over your own feet. There doesn't have to be, yeah. you know, something that causes you to trip. You know, you could have a perfectly good staircase with no flaws that, you know, would be considered maybe like not preventable to to a, to an employer. Like, what could you possibly do if there's no flaw in the workplace? Right. Yeah. Like if the stairwell it has a loose floorboard and someone trips over that, some people would think, oh, yeah, then it's recordable. But if, if this, there's no flaw in the stairwell, then it shouldn't be recordable because it's not the employer's fault. But that's not the case at all. Like, mm -hmm. if, if an employee we've had employees bend over and reach to the floor and something pops in their shoulder, that's the event is bending over or the event can be sitting down in a chair. It could be anything. The fact yeah. that it happens at work, you know, we had one where an employee was just got back from work travel and is back in the office, walks into the bathroom and faints, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, the, her fellow employees said that she, they don't they, she had been skipping meals um, because I guess, I don't know, maybe anxiety related or stress related. She didn't have much of an appetite. She hadn't yeah. been drinking enough water. Um, and they did not want to count it because I said, well, she's fainting. It's a health issue or whatever. You know, it's like, well, guess what? Loss of consciousness yeah. is one of the categories for, yeah. And it happened in the bathroom at work. And you, mm -hmm. you can't, it's really hard to get away from that. So, yeah, I had one and, uh, and I'm still an active consultant. I do uh, consulting and training, but I had a client once that had an issue. And let's see if you 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 do this my way. I, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, I'm getting free advice from you, but I already gave them the answer. I don't like them. <laughs> so, uh, so this sure. is what I did. Uh, they actually had a worker who had something got uh, stuck in their eye. They go to their doctor. Doctor gives them some stuff, and uh, they, they, well, you know, that's its own problem, right? <laughs> so uh, the doctor gives them some stuff, and then uh, they come back to work. They're they're working for a little while, but it just never is right, and it's even worsening. So now that the um, uh, the person ends up losing an eye it becomes you know oh my gosh. basically um wow that escalated quickly it escalated real quickly and they find out about it uh roughly about 35 days later and that's mm. it that's the key too uh so the employer the employer finds out about it mm. about 35 days later uh, my client I tell them, you know, it's a good thing to give OSHA a little notice on this and let's have uh, let's uh, yeah. let OSHA know that there was an amputation of the eye. This is after the rule change, you know, where you have to mm -hmm. let OSHA know if there's an amputation or a loss of yeah. eye uh, within 24 hours. So it was after the, the rule change and I, I implored them, just go ahead and let OSHA know, let them know. And they never did it. So, uh, wow. did I do right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, what did the doctor give them? My first question is, what did the doctor give the employee? Do you know? I don't know. I really don't know uh, what was on the care side, but I do know. On okay. I said, you guys, are, you guys are treading with. Uh, let's make sure nobody knows about this later on. And uh, yeah, yeah, except for everybody listening now. No. Everybody. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, either way, no. Yeah, I mean, the, the first thing is, is when they go into the doctor, just being evaluated is not recordable, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, if the doctor just looked at the eye and then maybe washed it out with some water, that's not, that's just first aid, right? That's not, there's no, you don't have to record it. But if the doctor, you know, used any sort of tool to remove anything from the eye, yeah, uh, that would be recordable. Exactly. Uh, like Second, they use tweezers. Exactly. Then it's recordable because that's considered medical treatment beyond first aid. And then if they um, received any antibiotics, which is probably, I would imagine, uh, especially with the way that doctors treat people, uh, generally they tend to be in an overabundance of caution. They will prescribe antibiotics. Um, and uh, that would trigger recordability because that would be a script. Um, you know, and so, and then of course, with the loss of the eye, uh, yeah, I mean, you're supposed to be recording that to OSHA yeah, immediately. Well, so, the reason why yeah. that they were, they're, they're really, um, there's a little leeway. And the reason, uh, if you look at uh, 1904, everything in, in OSHA standards are breaking into uh, subparts. Uh, work your way down to D or E. And this is for the audience because, mm-hmm. of course, Nathan knows this, but <laughs> you work your way. I believe it's like D or E. And uh, there's a little wording in there. No, it's, it's not. I think it's a, It's actually E or F. <laughs> I can't remember my subpart on 1904. But there's some wording in there that has a 30-day uh, cutoff period for recording, for recording. And they were looking at that and they were focusing on that and saying, well, it's past 30 days when we got notified, so therefore we don't need to let them know. And that's that, that wasn't the case. They didn't get caught. But that one kind of gave me a little a little pause because I, I, I looked yeah. at it over and over and I'm thinking, mm, yeah, there's a gray yeah. here, but I'd rather not operate in gray. When in doubt, just do the right thing or, or when in doubt, yeah. expose yourself in the way of Chanel, not the other expose yourself. <laughs> you don't want to ever do yeah. that. And- well, yeah, I mean, it's easier not to report in that in that situation. I totally get it. Um, but what happens when OSHA shows up and they want to see your workers' comp claims and that loss of an eye is in there and they go back and compare it to, your, uh, to their records and there's no report, what happens then? Well, now you're looking at up to 13,250 or whatever it is yep. per violation. Yeah, so it's well, not worth it. It, it will be yeah. uh, it definitely at that point it will become, you know, like uh, I think it was one to roughly about four years ago. Uh, there's Ashley's Furniture who had a similar event that didn't record an amputation, and it was the max at that time, which was seven thousand. So they they got nailed with that. Uh, so you you don't want to you don't want to go down that route. Yeah. So tell nope. me a little bit about. Oh, go ahead, finish your thought, and then I'll I'll do my next question. Oh. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, my, my next question was, okay, from you know something perked in you that says, all right, I'm being asked the same type of questions over and over again about recordability. I think I have something here to from that point to the point where you've got videos, you've got a logo, you've got the whistle guy that when your logo shows up, the whistle, and I'm like, hey, what's going mm-hmm. on here? I keep looking every time you get me. <laughs> looking around for that whistle. Yeah, it gets your attention, huh? Yeah. So how did you get to that point? And I believe you must have uh, you must have hooked up with Jamie somewhere because I saw that you're on yeah. the Safe Video. 
Exactly, Safepedia. Yes, uh, that was that. That whistle was Jamie's idea. Uh, he, he's he's a brilliant guy. I love Jamie. He's he's awesome. We've I've never met him. I've only on. seen him. Uh, you need to have him on. You need to have him on. He's a great guy. Um, you know, we we were um, similar to, you know, how I was posting content in your group, and it caught your attention. Um, I was posting um, content in his group, and that was back in the days when I was doing the um, OSHA record keeping challenge questions. I, I think I did about sixty of them, or maybe sixty. 60 plus OSHA record keeping challenge questions just through LinkedIn and shared them on several different groups. Um, and, you know, just, just gave people food for thought. And if anybody dared to try to answer the question, I would provide the right answer. Um, um, and so I was just doing that to kind of let people give people some awareness that record keeping is not as, it's not quite as easy as you might think. Um, and so he saw that and he said, um, he, he, he was, hey, I'm trying to remember how this worked out. Uh, but he, he, you know, he wanted to, we ended up having a phone conversation and one thing led to another and uh, we wanted to figure out how to collaborate with one another and they're, you know, they're looking for content for their website, they're looking for content for their, uh, for their groups mm -hmm. and um, I think they just saw me as a good content producer and he encouraged me or suggested even that, um, that I try doing videos and he said, well, whatever you're comfortable with, you, know, you don't have to do videos, but that's, he was encouraging me to do that. And I, and I said, well, I'm not really comfortable with the, the idea of it, but that means I should probably do it. You know, yeah, there you go. Push yourself. <laughs> I just, you just jump in. Exactly. Just jump in and do it. Uh, you know, that's actually what my entire, I wrote a children's book, not to get off topic, but my children's oh, that book is, is topic. Uh, I was actually going to ask about that. You were, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I saw yeah, that you so, wrote that. That's awesome. Yeah. And so, uh, well, part of the thing is, is, you know, I'm not a marketing guy. I don't know much about marketing and, you know, I'm like, well, if I can scratch their back by providing them some good content that they have free reign to, they can use it however they want. Um, and then I'll benefit by, you know, they'll they'll put my isitrecordable.com out there and get more people um, aware of it. And so we're just helping each other out, basically. Um, you know, that's, that's how that worked out with Safepedia. So yeah, um, I've also that. talked to, I've also talked to Brian McWhorter with mm -hmm. Safepedia on the phone. He's, he's a really good guy. He has a lot of good content for Safepedia as well, um, but uh, they're just a really good group of uh, really good group over there at Safepedia, and I'm really happy to be associated with those guys. Oh, awesome! Now, when you um, mm -hmm. decided to monetize, because I know of you, you do it per question, and that is awesome. I've actually never heard of that, and I thought that that was a real good approach because generally people are looking for questions to be answered and that's a consulting role so you're you're doing that through yeah. the website too so uh, yeah. that well thought process first question is free for everybody <laughs> <laughs> well, i was going to say anyone can ask a question I'll, I'll answer one question for free for anybody so if you just have one question and you don't you know you don't you don't want to get into trying to figure out how to pay um just come to the website I uh, use the little chat box in the corner and it'll come straight to my phone and I'm pretty responsive. I just had one yesterday um, ask me a question. This was just through LinkedIn, not through the website. So you can mm -hmm. contact me through LinkedIn or through the website. Either way is recordable.com or just attack, you know, connect me with me on uh, LinkedIn. Um, or you can come to my OSHA record keeping Q&A group uh, and go on there and post the question there. I any way you want to find me. Uh, how do they um, find that group? Ask, um, yeah, OSHA record keeping 
if you just type in OSHA record keeping and search groups on LinkedIn, you'll find it. Okay, good. So, it, and it's, there's not many people in there. I just I just started. I haven't been really been promoting it or anything, but it's just uh, there's nothing else I like it on LinkedIn. So I'm trying to facilitate that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just had one yesterday uh, ask me a question about whether or not something's recordable, and I got back to him within three minutes with an answer. He asked me for the. Um, uh, the 29 or the 1910 or the uh the, the actual reference and within two minutes later i sent it to him um, so i'm you know extremely responsive um and you know when we're trying to figure out how much to, to charge as far as prices go um you know if the only other uh service like this that i know of is um law groups you know lawyers will answer questions but they'll charge way more <laughs> way more you know, $800 is a deal for uh, to ask a question to a lawyer and get back a fancy answer on a letterhead. Oh, yeah. Um, and so I'm I'm thinking, you know, I could do it for much less. And I'm certified in OSHA record keeping, and I've been doing it for 10 years now. Um, and so, you know, I look just like when I post something on eBay to sell. You know, well, what price do I put? Well, let's see what other people are selling it for. And then I always put it a little bit less than everyone else, you know. So I'm, I'm per question per question, it's you know, $99 for one question versus $800 or more. So I'm about 10% of what a lawyer will charge. And um, then I have a package of, you can get four questions um, per, and it basically is a subscription, four questions per month uh, for $299. So it's basically buy three, get one free. And then there's the unlimited plan, which is $399 and for unlimited questions. And that's probably the best deal because, you know, you may not have a lot of recordables. You may have a lot of first aid injuries or just questions on whether or not something has to be counted. Um, So for half the price for one question that a lawyer will charge you, um, you can get unlimited questions uh, under my plan. So I felt like it's a really good, it's a pretty good deal compared to the competitors that are out there right now. Yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. That's a great, uh, great model. It's a great uh, practical use of technology there too. And then also uh, for people who really need something answered, that response time is awesome. So it looks like you're exactly. got the home run hit all the way around. Yeah, so you know, it's good to have that in your back pocket. Most safety professionals, you know, the good ones are, they have more important things to worry about. Mm-hmm. You know, they're tied up in enough meetings and everything else already, and they, they want to get out to the field. They need to do their audits. They want to do their um, and their employee engagements. They want to be out there observing um, and actually improving the state of safety um, before injuries happen, and you're trying to get out there and be proactive. Uh, the last thing that most of them want to be doing is digging through letters of interpretation yep. uh, and trying their best, and they may not get it right anyway, and now they're exposed to 13000 plus fine if it's not right. It's just much easier to say, mm, let's just subscribe to Redbeard, you know? Yep. So that's yeah, the yeah. idea. I'm trying to add value. Take, the, take yeah, that burden yeah. off their shoulders so they can focus on what they need to be doing. That's perfect. So now, uh, have you identified your target market? How long have you been doing this? That's, that's uh, you know, it's pretty sorry. new. <laughs> what, what's that? Uh, I said, that's two questions. Sorry. First, how long oh, are you doing okay. this? And then secondly, have yeah. you identified your target market? Yeah, I, I, you know, the uh, just built the website earlier this year, so it's brand new. Um, my target market, I'm still figuring that out, but I, I, I think it's primarily going to be mid-sized businesses that have HR managing safety. I think mm-hmm. they need it the most. 
those are, you know, I get the most most questions from a company that is it's a massive company. Um, it's in every all 50 states, uh, but they have, you know, it's a real estate company, um, but they have HR managing safety. They have no designated safety person. Yeah. And so I get most of my questions from companies like that. Um, but then I'm also finding that, you know, again, a lot of these safety professionals, well, one, they think they know OSHA uh, record keeping, but they maybe are a little overconfident. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's nice to have that reassurance, if nothing else. So that, and then plus, the, it's a time saver for those guys too. So um, I'm, I'm targeting both safety and HR. Yeah, actually, that uh, that seems like a real good approach. I would uh, I would also look into, especially if you're going to target HR, because unfortunately, it's a trend right now that HR is being thrown safety because they know stuff about uh, record keeping a little, but they don't know a lot about safety. So they're they're kind of over their head. They know people, but they don't know safety. So yeah, I I do see that. I think safety should be under risk better but not not under hr so. oh man yeah don't even get me started on that sheldon <laughs> <laughs> i made a whole video about that and i yeah. and i said that hr and safety are mortal enemies and it's like oil and water yeah. you know and and simply put it really comes down to understanding what the principles of safety are your, your goal if you're a safety manager your goal is to learn Right? You need to learn about the hazards in the workplace because mm-hmm. those are problems and you can't fix a problem you don't know about. So you have to learn about problems in order to fix them. Okay, so based on that basic prin- uh, principle, um, you need, you know, it's, a, it's so important to have communication because you can't learn without communication. You need people telling you where the hazards are. That's why I'm a big fan of the near-miss hazard recognition and good catch reports. Mm-hmm. Encouraging, that's a valued behavior. Yeah, I mean, if they're seeing things, if your employees are seeing hazards, a lot of the times they'll see it and they're like, eh, they'll shrug their shoulders and say, okay, I'm not going to get caught by that hazard, but what about the next guy, right? So in, the encouragement of the near miss hazard recognition, good catch reports, I call them Nimmergicks, just if you abbreviated it, found it out, it uh, sounds like Nimmergick. <laughs> I get tired of saying near miss hazard recognition, good catch every time, but um, yeah. But That's, uh, that's another you know, t-shirt, man. You're loaded with these. <laughs> I've been doing a while, um, but uh, you know, we, we actually, I'm getting off topic here a little bit, but uh, we ahead, had, uh, one of our, yeah, okay, good. We're in good company then. Um, <laughs> we had a mining group, uh, coal miners, uh, about a surface and underground mining. And one of the injuries they had was uh, a bolt sticking out of the wall of the mine um, from, well, you know, like to prevent cave-ins, they'll bolt in cages uh, overhead where they're working. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if rocks fall down, it'll be caught by the, hopefully caught by those um, by those cages. Um, but when they try to remove the bolts, because they'll take the cages down when they're done working in the area, move them down to where they are working. Um, when those bolts are removed, sometimes they'll just shear off and you'll end up with this jagged piece of metal sticking out of the wall. So at this site, uh, we had this jagged piece of metal sticking out of the wall, um, employees just ducking under it and avoiding it. Um, and they did that successfully for, you know, a number of months. And then it caught somebody right underneath their eye. And they almost lost their eye. So another eye loss almost. That's a big deal, you know? Um, 
and their uh, incident rates were something like over a four, right? And you know that that's significant. Now, is of, that their total recordable injury rates, or is yeah. that their experience modification? Because that's no, it's a TRIR. Okay, yeah, okay, that's a big yeah, difference. Total recordable they, injury. <laughs> all right, it's still high. Well, it depends on their industry, it's really. Pretty high. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it's mining. It's it and mining is a higher hazard uh, industry. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they went from a four, which which stand, you know, it, it means four out of every 100 employees are getting seriously injured, is what that means. Mm-hmm. And so then I worked with the, the mining manager. Uh, we put in a uh, what we call leading indicators, something which is the NIMRGICS, the Near Miss Hazard Recognition Good Catch Reporting Program. They implemented that there four years later. They're under a 1.0. Incident rate, you know. So now, instead of just ducking under that jagged piece of metal, uh, they are now identifying it, stopping to identify it, and then removing it. So, you know, you can't fix a problem that you don't know about. We need to learn about these things, and you know, we should be um, trying to uh, identify and eliminate barriers to communication. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, what is the biggest barrier to communication? It's fear, and. Who is who creates the most fear in the workplace, if not for HR? Yeah. HR is associated with discipline and punishment. So if you put safety under HR, you are creating a barrier to communication, which is antithetical to safety. And a lot of people don't see they just don't they don't think it through. They don't see it that way, but that's it's true. And I, I see it happen, and uh, it's a constant struggle to separate fear from from uh, from safety. And there's a a safety director I was, I was talking to and when we first started talking about implementing these good catch near miss hazard recognition or well originally we weren't gonna yeah i know well we weren't gonna take the near misses with it because you know a near miss means something already happened it's more reactionary correct um but we want lagging indicator for most part but you can eventually if you like map hot zones or something like that you can make a near miss a leading indicator yeah, full circle back and prevent them in the future. Yeah, mm-hmm. but the problem was is um, people reporting a near miss are afraid sometimes because sometimes the near miss occurs because they they didn't they violated a rule or they didn't follow procedure to a T, and they're worried they're going to get they're going to get in trouble, written up, whatever, fired, whatever, and um, that's a big problem for safety because we want to learn about it, um, and, and if they're afraid they're going to get fired or punished, they're not going to tell you anything. So. Um, we decided to include near misses in with good catch and hazard recognition because it doesn't matter what they are. We just want to learn. And mm-hmm. one of the one of the um, uh, as a safety director, a really good friend of mine, that he said, you know what they're going to do? They're going to violate a safety procedure, and then they're going to report it as a good catch so that they don't get in trouble. Because what I was proposing was um, just promising that there's no not going to be any discipline for reporting one of these things. Um, and so he says, oh, they're just going to use that as an excuse to cover themselves. And I said, I said, okay. And, <laughs> and I said, look, at the end of the day, we're not HR. We are safety. We have to, you know, stay in our lane. We're not, if, if our concern is disciplining employees, then we should join HR and we should take our safety hat off and just be an HR person. There you go. You know, like what is your priority? Learning Seat and cup. preventing injuries or disciplining people. Yeah. So, yeah.
Yeah, that drives me nuts. That's my and, uh, soapbox. About it. Hey, I am on that soapbox with you. I actually, I think uh, roughly about two, three weeks ago, I, I teach a certified occupational safety specialist uh, course. It's a designation for safety specialist. And then I also teach one that's a certificate for occupational safety manager. Those are courses I don't do. I'm just a contract employee for, um, for Alliance Safety Council in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. But in class, I was telling people, a lot of them, they are thrown into safety and they're in HR. And I say, you know, sorry to tell you guys this, but just because of your position, you're actually going to have to work harder for people's trust because you are yeah. HR. You are that that actual uh, person that someone goes to when, or, or the demon yeah. underneath the, the bed when people say that, well, I'm going to tell HR, or I'm going to take you to HR. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So for um, for the listeners' point of view, as there a lot of my uh, listeners are either thinking about starting their own thing, full-time, part-time, uh, what do you suggest if someone is thinking, I can do something else to fulfill me personally, or I want to start leaning towards full-time for myself, uh, what do you, what's your suggestions? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to caveat everything I'm about to say with, I'm not an expert in this. So I'm, <laughs> I am just as much like I'm not a marketing expert or anything like that, but I will happy to share, you know, what I've yeah. learned. And yeah. So, uh, man, like, uh, so I, okay, this is my position. I'm full time working and, um, I'm trying to do this on the side. So, and eventually I want to do a full time. Right. So that's, that's the path that I'm on. Those are my goals. Um, you know, you, you don't have time as precious to you. Right? You you have a lot of demand on your on your on your time because you're working full time and probably have family at home. And, you know, I have a six year old son, and you know, I I'm always set time aside for him. Um, so I have to do this in in the, in the bridges of my day, usually. And mm-hmm. so, um, it, it, there are ways to you know so that means you have to outsource some things, right? Um, but you don't want to spend too much money, obviously. So you have to do it on a budget. So the ways, so I use Wix.com for my website. You're the second person that very, told me about Wix uh, recently. Yeah. That is safety and health. Awesome. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean it's so easy. It's so easy. They have templates. Uh, you can use a template and modify it. Um, and then I also recommend um, an app called Fiverr. F I V E R R. Mm-hmm. Um, if you did that, you could, there's all kind. It's like a gig kind of website. Uh, there's a bunch of artists on there. If you want to make a, a logo, you pay someone 50 bucks and then you'll get your logo. Just make sure you get all the source files and everything with it. Pay a little more for it if it's worth it. Uh, you know, you can have all your logos made and you can get Wix to have your website done up um, for relatively low cost. Um, and then also, um, I recommend a book called Invisible Influence. Um, if you don't want to read it, I can give you the, the main the main benefit I got out of that was understanding the psychology on how to persuade and have influence on people, right? How the, the, understanding the way the mind works. And the primary benefit I got from that invisible influence was understanding that people are attracted to what they're familiar with. Um, that's why I go by Redbeard on LinkedIn and not my, you know, I go by my name too, but yeah. um, you know, Redbeard is so sticky, it sticks in your mind. So really? you get much more impact. So they see the red beard thing. It's a big red beard on a white background on the thumbnail, uh, you know, on YouTube. Um, and so it's really 
uh, a lot of contrast there. It really stands out. Everyone remembers Redbeard. In fact, I mentioned Brian McWhorter with Safeopedia. He contacted me the other day all excited because some random person in a cheese factory in Wisconsin started telling him about how he's been following some guy named Redbeard on LinkedIn. Oh, that's awesome. You know? And he's like, hey, and he's like, I know that guy, you know? And so <laughs> he didn't say I'm following Nathan Brayman on LinkedIn. He said I'm following Redbeard. So getting that, that visual, you know, use visuals, find a way to make it so it sticks in the head, you know, of, of whoever sees it. Redbeard is very sticky. It's easy to remember. Um, and, uh, you know, the Invisible Influence book had a really good example of a study that was done where they took, um, well, they basically just put something in, in front of other people many times without them even realizing it, which in this case, it was um, a classroom and they would put, have somebody walk down to the front of the classroom and sit down. They weren't even a student. But they had some people come in and sit down every single day. Some people came in and sat down only a couple of days and some people, none of the days. And the ones that went in the most, um, they had them all, well, they had them all rate uh, these people at the very end and people were more attracted to the ones they'd seen more often without even realizing they saw them. Um, and so, you know, this actually is a, a good lesson for safety. Part of safety, effective safety is marketing. Uh, you have to, you can't just say it one time and expect everyone to get it. You know, right. you have you to say try it to one way it. and expect everybody to get it either. Right. Exactly. So, so, you know, you have to say things many times over and over and over and over. So you, and you want to say it to everybody, you want it to saturate. So you have frequency and you want to saturate, but then you also want something that's actionable. But if you use those three things, uh, you're, you're going to have a much better impact on people. And, you know, since I've started implementing the red beard thing, mm -hmm. um, my, you know, views of my profile and my views of my videos have been steadily climbing over time. So I'm finding some success with this approach. Now, I'm no expert, <laughs> but these are the things that I'm trying to do to try to get things rolling, you know. Yeah, no, that's great. And how do you um, how do you capitalize when people get to your website? Do you pixel them? Do you have them uh, do a, a email where, you know, we subscribe for our newsletter or, or something like that? Um, well, I don't have a newsletter or anything like that. But what I do is if somebody wants to submit a question, they have to put on all their information, you know, just contact information, email and name and that sort of mm -hmm. thing. And, um, and then what I do is just something simple. I just use Excel. If I get the submission of their information, I'll log it as a customer. Mm -hmm. Um, and then make sure, you know, I'm tracking who's got a free question. And if they, if they do subscribe, um, then I'll track it in that, that Excel spreadsheet so I can keep mm -hmm. track of who's used what questions and how many they have left and that sort of thing. Okay. Um, it's nothing sophisticated. It's very simple. You know, it's just, just a simple contact form. Um, and again, somebody could contact me through LinkedIn and um, I can still, you know, I can still track that customer and those answers that way with just even just the name without even an email address. So, yeah, yeah. And I'm, and I'm not a huge stickler on the free question. Like if somebody, there's one person who reached out to me and asked me all kinds of questions, not just record keeping, but you know, what certifications they recommend and if they have this kind of program, what, what should they do? And, and I don't mind just helping people out in general, you know, like mm -hmm. if, if you have, if you have safety questions or you just want some advice or you just want to talk to me, um, I'm open to that, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Hey, I got a suggestion for you. Sure. Uh, do you have like a, like something you could 
put together a, a digital kind of uh, top 10 most outrageous OSHA uh, record keeping questions or something that someone could download. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I could, I could do that. Yeah, if you do that, then that could be something that you could get somebody to. Uh, basically, here's here's my thread. So follow my my marketing thoughts. Uh, so if I was let's say uh, floating through Facebook and then I see a little uh, a little Fiverr kind of design that says you know top ten outrageous uh, OSHA record keeping questions answered, uh, or have you heard of these outrageous OSHA of record keeping or recordable events and everyone's like well what so they click there they give you a go to your website uh they can access this through an email and their their name so first name email it goes to you so from that point you can start to get the download for free but then after that you do an autoresponder i don't know if you have these yet but those autoresponders for those listening is basically it's a series of uh, communications that you pre-write and it will come up into uh, a system which i use uh convert kit that's the one I use. I, I love this one. I've tried other ones. I tried MailChimp and MailChimp doesn't have the same robust thing, but ConvertKit, you could actually, I have five or six different communications that last up to sometimes a month and uh, I don't push any kind of sales. I give everyone first, you know, here I am. What's my, my uh, the first two emails is usually a little bit about my credentials and what, what they asked about specifically and then I'll send a little bit more after that and uh, throughout the emails you can actually start putting in products and services that you believe will help the person too so not only are you trying to get an upsell per se uh, to help generate your, your revenue but then you're also giving people resources at the same time so if someone that joins one of my newsletters like uh, my proposal one for instance if you go to sheldonprimus.com backslash proposals that's my most popular everybody or ebooks my most popular but the proposal uh, people download the proposal I get their first name their email and now we have an introduction to each other but from there I want to make sure that I'm going to keep pumping value pumping value and then yeah. if I do have anything to sell then they're already they know me and they've gotten value for me but it also ends up helping my business in the back end an autoresponder system might be perfect for what you're doing and yeah you set up your script first time and you only have to revise it and you could even set up a 10 page script one of each one of those things that you uh that you mentioned as your top 10 list everyone gets to list at first and then you can analyze each one of those events why is it a recordable and now you have a 10 letter sequence that you could do over five days or over you know 15 days this person now is getting email messages from you they start knowing you they start liking you they get your personality and that will eventually become a client if it's paid for something else or they could be a referral yeah that's that's great and you know you get that familiarity like what we we're just talking about they start yeah. getting familiar with you become more it's just how the human the human uh mind is wired yep and, and that you know that, that go ahead oh i was just gonna say that goes into um another thing i found is really helpful um you know it's really about building relationships 
you know, you, you demonstrate you can add value and then you want to build relationships. There's a client uh, that is a rare earth mine and we've been working with them for um, a long time, but you know, they haven't really, they've been a little bit shy on pulling the trigger, uh, mainly because they've been overwhelmed with all these changes going on operationally. And, um, you know, I've just been maintaining the relationship over the time. Um, and that's a good way to kind of <clears throat> stay on the radar, you know, because what's going to happen is, is that they're going to be busy and within a couple of weeks, suddenly they completely forgot about it. And so it's really important to have that, you know, that constant just touching, just touch them, you know, yep. and uh, just stay on the radar. And then over time when they're ready, when they now that they feel like they got their feedback on the ground and they're now they're wanting to go into more of a data analytics uh, relationship with us, which um, actually is the other com website I built is AccuStatsUSA.com. Yeah, I saw that. Um, I, and, I saw that you had it. I didn't actually go to mm -hmm. it yet. So tell me a little bit about that one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, basically what that is, is data analytics. We do uh, statistics. Um, we can get into all kinds of like really deep uh, statistical analyses. We have PhD level statisticians. Um, and then we also can do simple business, um, you know, building a spreadsheet for a small business to help them track their finances. You know, we've done stuff like that. Um, so it's the gambit of any sort of um, any sort of data analytics you can imagine. Um, and, you know, my specialty would be safety reporting, right? If you want to mm -hmm. look deeper into your, into your trends in safety, maybe you want to, instead of just tracking your incident rate every month, maybe you'd like to have a 12 month rolling incident rate, uh, yeah. tracking to give you a better idea of what's going on over time. Uh, you know, you can look at your seasonal incident rate upticks and downticks, um, you know, just getting a little, taking the next step to understand what's going on because especially in safety, you tend to be uh, shorthanded. You tend to have a smaller budget than what you'd like. Yes. Uh, and a lot of people in that situation, well, if you know what's going on month to month, you know, maybe October is your worst month and February is your, your best month historically. So you'd want to allocate your, your limited resources to the areas where your big, your big pain points are. And yeah. you won't know that unless you analyze that. So that's what AccuStats USA is all about. Um, Excellent. You know, we, yeah, we're, we're, we're looking at, um, you know, they're looking at taking rare earth oxides, uh, looking at based on the different factors, heat, um, barometric pressure, all kinds of stuff. They're trying to find how can they optimize that process. So that, that, that's come, that has nothing to do with safety for that one. Uh, we're also looking at another, uh, like we talked, we're talking to Tyson Foods. Um, they just implemented this big program where they're collecting data for their chicken farms. Um, and they have millions of data points um, being collected, mm -hmm. uh, but they have no one to analyze it, you know? So it could be anything really. All we need to know is what, what their goal is. Uh, what are you trying to find out? And then, you know, and then we apply, uh, some advanced statistics to try to help find, uh, what they're looking for. Oh, awesome. Yeah, that's great. And that's your, uh, are you a co-founder of that one? Yeah. Well, it was, it was started by, uh, Joe Murdoch, and then he he brought me in, and we're uh, basically 50-50 partners now. So oh, he founded it, and then I sort of helped it evolve into what it is, and built the website for it, and all that. So that's great. I um I am really big on data because of uh, the type of work I did prior to uh, getting into consulting. I worked for the state of Florida as a, a 
a special district of the state of Florida, taxing district of the state of Florida, as their safety and health uh, compliance officer. And I tried, my whole philosophy was we can move off of data and data will, will move my, will move my needle one way or the other. And from there I can make more informed decisions. I wasn't a transactional leader per se, but I still was, you know, I like to get that data. I like to know, you know, facts. Sometimes I didn't have all the information before I had to make a decision, which is natural, but after those decisions, let's analyze this thing and make sure that we we have a path forward that will eventually help us in uh in understanding some of these things that are oh yeah so oh yeah i mean good idea data is huge and you can't fix a problem you don't know about right it's all about learning you got to be smart with your resources we're all limited in resources you know if if we could if we have unlimited resources we would have a safety person following every single person around you know yeah but uh you know it's just not uh, it's not practical. So we need to be we allocate our resources, and that means you have to understand what's going on, and that's where that's where the data comes in. Yeah, awesome. Now, um, for those people that are thinking about going ahead and starting something while they're still at work, what do you tell them to help them where they're thinking, well, maybe there's a conflict of interest or maybe my boss Mm -hmm. is going to fire me if they find out that I'm doing something on the side. So how do you you coach them on? Well, the first thing is, is, um, you know, the fear, the fear is going to kill you. Yeah. And, uh, you, you really, yeah, you got to watch out for conflicts of interest. And, you know, I would say try to keep those two worlds separate, you know, like don't use, if you can at all possible, don't use your work computer to do your outside work. That's um, you know, try to, yeah, like, you know, do stuff over your lunch hour. Um, you know, if you have to take take an hour of PTO if you can and leave work early and dedicate that time to your, to your business. You know, with me, a lot of the stuff I do is in the evenings. Mm-hmm. Or I'll do something over my lunch hour, or something like that. I, I try to keep those two worlds as separate as possible, but don't, don't, re- I, I just don't fear, you know, just because fear will stop you from doing anything. Absolutely. You really just gotta, you know, you know it reminds me of, it kind of gets back to my children's book again. It's all about encouraging kids to face their fears. Um, the Knights of the Round Table is one of the best stories, I think. I love that story. And King Arthur and the, and the Knights of the Round Table, they were all seeking out the Holy Grail. The Holy Grail is just a symbol of the most valuable thing. And, and the most valuable thing is different for every person. So everyone has their own Holy Grail. And they, they, when they went out, they went into the forest to look for it, but they didn't go together. They, didn't, they, they all split up. And the way that they decided they were going to seek out the most valuable thing from each individual night is they decided they were going to identify the place of the forest that looks darkest to them. So the scariest, creepiest, worst part of the forest, they each found it, what it meant to them, and then they win in that way. And what that means is, is if there's something you're afraid of, you shouldn't be avoiding it, you should be pursuing it. So if you're afraid of public speaking, guess what? If you start doing it, you will lose that fear. Yeah. It's doing that fixes it. And that's what my, my book is based on that premise. It's the ears journey, basically. Um, um, and you know, I used it to help my son conquer his fear of the dark. It's oh, called, man. it's called Mandela. If anyone wants it, I mean, it's out there. I'm on uh, Amazon. Hold on. Uh, you're breaking up a little, so say it again oh, sure. and then give us a website okay. if you have it. 
Okay. Yeah, I don't have a website for it. Well, I do, but it's a really basic <laughs> WordPress site. <laughs> yeah. It's not really anything spectacular, and I don't know it off the top of my head. So um, well, we can look you yeah, up on uh, on M on uh, Amazon or wherever it's Amazon, located. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the easiest way to find it. It's just called if you type in Mandorla book. It's just in the children's book section of Amazon. Mandorla, M-A-N-D-O-R-L-A. Hmm. Very cool. There's all kinds of symbolism built into that book, uh, you know, based on a whole another rabbit hole that I could talk for hours about. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, rabbit holes go on forever, don't they? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. But the the, ba- the basic premise is face your fears. You know, if, if there's something that scares you, that is a sign that you should pursue it. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, so if you're if, if if you're scared of going on a, on a podcast, if you're if you're scared of talking to Sheldon, <laughs> yeah. if you're, just do it or anything like that. Just do it, and you'll realize, oh, it wasn't that. It wasn't so bad. You know, yeah, it wasn't yeah. so bad. And you conquer your fears and you grow as a person. And yeah, now, he's not bad. He's kind of geeky, but he's not bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean. You know, like you, one of your, uh, one of my favorite characters in SpongeBob, which is Plankton. Yeah, Sheldon. His name is Sheldon. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, I already like you even yeah, that's before right. I got to talk to you. Come on, like, think of all the Sheldon. Sheldons out there. Oh, there's not many. Not many. Cooper, I mean, Plankton, and then the other guy from uh, Sigmund and the Sea Monsters, if you're old enough to remember that. No, I, I, I only know the one Sheldon. You're 50% of my Sheldons. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. the other one is tiny and green and made of uh, plankton. So, oh, uh, that's great. Uh, that might be another t shirt right there. I am 50% of the Sheldons you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I mainly know that because I have a six year old. So, yeah, yes. Yeah, kids are great. You know, so, uh, your, your master plan, I guess, you're, you're mentioning that you do want to eventually go out on your own to so, or, or do this full time, I should say. So, and, in that, what is your why, or what are your whys for that? Well, man, there's so many. Um, mainly, you know, I, one of the big things I found, especially working in a very large corporation, is uh, there will be some days where I feel really great at the end of the day, and there will be some days where I feel really kind of lousy. And what I found was the days that I'm feeling really great are the days I'm adding value, the days that I'm accomplishing things, the days where I'm helping move the needle in the right direction. And the days I feel really lousy are the days where nothing, I can't get anything done, or the days where um, I feel like we're going backwards or we're not moving forward. And when you're in a big corporation, it's very difficult to move a ship. It's like the Titanic. You can't, it doesn't turn on a dime. It's very slow. There's a lot of frustrating experiences involved in that. And, and you know, I just want to have more time, more opportunities to add value. You know, when, like yesterday, when somebody contacted me through LinkedIn, um, three minutes later, they had their answer. Um, you know, I don't know what's going on on his end. He's probably facing someone who doesn't want to count, re- record something, and he didn't have the time to look it up and was just hoping I could bail him out. And, uh, and I was able to bail him out for three minutes. I mean, that's, can't beat that, you know? And yeah. that made me feel good. I didn't even get paid for it. It's not about that. What makes me feel good is helping people and um, adding value. 
So that's my goal, is I want to be able to add as much value as possible. And then also, you know, my priority is my family, my son. That's, he's not my number one priority. And yeah. um, being able to spend more time with him, maybe even homeschool him if I could, um, even if it's just part-time, you know, have more time for the things that matter most to me. So those are my whys. Oh, awesome. And the reason I always ask for wise is when times get dark, when things get hard, you always have to focus in on why are you doing what you're doing? And that becomes that bullseye that you keep going towards at the end. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, because truly uh, one of the biggest problems that I find when people give up with their safety consulting business is, you know, sure, if you want to step back and go back into the the world of, you know, working for someone else, you got to do it. Family comes first. Don't feel beat up about that. You know, go ahead and work for someone, get that experience, learn from that when you go back out again then you know know that i'm doing this temporarily because i am going to go back and do my my business but for some other people uh they they truly they they want to do something they go out there they're going to take that chance and i I love that they take that chance but as soon as something hard happens you're like oh i knew this thing wasn't going to work i'm out (laughs) yeah yeah you know that's interesting (laughs) yeah and and everyone's journey is going to be different um, you know, I, I think, you know, we have some stuff like in my case, you know, we have some stuff that that's happening. Um, and, uh, and, and I don't know, it, it could grow fast or it could grow very slow, steady over time. Um, I would like it to just explode tomorrow and I could just, you know, just do that full time. Okay. Um, but if it's a very, if it's a very slow thing, that's okay too. Um, you know, and eventually you have to determine when the right time is to, you know, just commit to a full time. Um, I, I really like the idea of having a full-time job to start because you get that experience. I mean, I've, I've had a wonderful, I mean, you know, working for such a high-profile company. Um, I've got to travel all over the world. Um, I have, you know, all of these, you know, there's 15 different sub-companies uh, with each each of the safety leads I've gotten to work with, you know, vice presidents, guys who are close to retirement that have all this knowledge and wisdom. Um, I've gotten to absorb through osmosis in some cases, and I've learned from these guys. And, and plus, getting to see 15 different businesses, I, I get to see what works where and what doesn't work in other places. And, um, you know, and just the diversity of experiences that I've had in my career uh, have been invaluable. I've even gotten to write part of Warren Buffett's uh, shareholders report. Uh, very awesome. small piece but yeah and, and you know i gotta you know there's every time there's a new challenge here it's exciting because it's an opportunity you know like cast away the fear because it's almost like fear and opportunity are almost indiscernible you know mm-hmm. um a lot of times so, so that's why if you fear something it's probably an opportunity for you and so don't don't be fearful just do it like you said um yeah and you know it, it'll it, the experience is only going to help you you know so we, yeah. that's a, that's an okay path to take. There's no wrong way to do it, you know. Excellent. Hey, Nathan, plug away. What what do you got? Anything and everything. Let me know. Let let us know. What do you got? We want to follow you. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, on LinkedIn, if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, I'm, I accept everybody. Um, uh, like, I, I mean, with very few exceptions, I'll pretty much accept everybody. So connect with me on LinkedIn. That's a great place to, to get in touch with me. 
uh, check out isitreportable.com. That's my that's my baby. You know, I keep that thing polished up, and that's what I really love to do. I love answering record-keeping questions. Um, I feel like I have the most to offer in that way. So isitreportable.com. That's my that's my golden goose right there. I love I love what I do there. Um, uh, AccuStats USA. Um, if you need any sort of any sort of help with data analytics, data processing, um, just anything data related, uh, in, you know, it being in a Fortune 100 company, uh, reporting up to executives, you can't. There's no room for error, right? So it's like the worst thing in the world if we have one thing wrong. And so we we have been forged. Uh, both me and my partner with Acustas, he's a coworker here, um, and. We've been forged in the fires of this better not have any errors, you know? <laughs> yes. And so we have all, yeah, we have all kinds of tools that we put into place to ensure that the data that we handle is treated with, so that the, uh, so that the accuracy and the quality is very, very high. You know, we do all kinds of peer checking, independent verification, uh, self-checking, circle slash. I mean, everything we've come up with a good set of tools to ensure that we're handling data in the proper way so that it's very accurate. And we're also very quick and, um, you know, we're good at producing charts that are beneficial to, uh, you know, people will show to Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett's seen all kinds of my work. He's asked questions about my work. I fielded questions for him and he's always been impressed with what I've done. At least so I'm told. Awesome. <laughs> it's always through, <laughs> it's always through our chief op operating guys, you know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, we've been through this experience, and if it's good enough for Warren, it's probably going to be good enough for you guys. So, you know, Access USA, it's like a, it's a great opportunity. We charge much less than any sort of other, most other uh, data consultants. Um, so we're a good value because you're getting Fortune 100 quality at much less than, you know, any, any of the big five data analytics statistical companies will charge. So it's a good value. Um, and then, you know, if anyone wants to pick up my children's book, um, you can send it to me. I'll sign it for you. Just reach out to me. Let me know. Uh, Mandorla on Amazon. So excellent. That's all excellent. I got. All right. Well, thank you so much for, for being a guest. And I really appreciate you helping me out with the LinkedIn group also. So I, I do think that this could be a start of something good now that i know when i'm stumped who to call on record keeping because i still get stumped quite often so i am i am not there's no shame in my you. game <laughs> <laughs> yeah and and it's it's not easy and you know it's I don't have everything baked into my skull either, you know, and, and uh, you know, if, if you have to go look it up, you have to go look it up. But, uh, you know, it, it helps. It definitely ha helps to have an understanding of kind of how OSHA approaches things uh, to help with the interpretation. So anytime you have a question, Sheldon, my door is open. Just send me a note. I'll help you out. Okay. You guys heard it. You got it my proof. <laughs> so have a wonderful rest of your day, man. Thank you. Yeah, you too, Sheldon. Thanks for your time and thanks for having me on here. I really appreciate it. Do you feel that your knowledge would be better served if you are your own boss? Your knowledge can help more people improve their workplace safety. Most of what you know may be wasting in a job that limits what you can do for the overall health and safety of workers. Now is the time to start your own business while you're still working for your current employer. Start your own safety consultant business with the Safety Consultant Blueprint course. Get your business legal in just a week. Brand yourself as an authority in safety, even on a shoestring budget. 
No more stressing about how to price your services fairly, but still make a profit. And experience the amazing feeling of being your own boss. This 100% online video course is instructor-led and will give you detailed steps to keep you focused as to what to do next to grow your business. Lay out strategies to keep you maximizing your marketing and networking efforts. And explain how to get money in between clients. Register today at safetyconsultantblueprint.com and enter the code PODCAST. Welcome back. I'd like to thank you for listening to the Safety Consultant Podcast with me, your host, Sheldon Primus. And before we get into the tip of the week, I just want to ask a favor. Can you help a brother out? You know what you could do to help a brother out? On whatever you're listening to, if you're not driving or you have a passenger, have them go ahead and subscribe to this uh, show. If you are actually at home or where your office listening to this, subscribe, uh, rate, and please, if you can, it would be awesome to help me out by commenting and let me know what you think so that I can adjust the show. Or if you like something, I'll keep doing it. So that is one of the things I wanted to make sure I mentioned. Also, if you go to Safety Consultant blueprint.com there is a sale every week in the month of October 2019 on the first week it was 40% off of the course and then uh those are the people who were in really early in the week and bought their course before the price, the, the percentage went down. Um, but you're still going to get a discount. So go ahead and go to safetyconsultantblueprint.com. And that's the course where I teach you step by step by step how to be a safety consultant and uh, also what it will take or what considerations you should have when you want to get extra money outside of safety consulting too. So I even threw that in as well. So for the tip of the week, I would say when at all possible, you really want to make sure that you're going to start your business while you are still at your other job. I have that in the book. I also have that in the course, but I'm going to tell you it again because it's so important. It's going to give you some breathing room and some leeway. Uh, you could make your mistakes here and there and still have some income coming in. I did this, but there was a point where I got a kind of fed up with my job at the time. So I ended up just uh, giving them a three-week notice. I trained my replacement and then I left. And after that, you know, I had to move real quick to get my business going. So I know that stress when it's not 100% up and running and you need to uh, pay a mortgage or you need to take care of a car payment or your kids got to get new shoes or something like that. Yeah, I know that stress. So that's why I say if at all possible, you want to make sure that you're going to start your business and starting, I mean, get your uh, legally get yourself right. 
Uh, also, you want to make sure you get your business card. You want to make sure you have any of your uh, your IRS, any of that stuff. You want to make sure you get all that stuff taken care of first and do part-time work where you could actually leave your job by vacation time, uh, sick time. I don't want to advocate, I guess, maybe for for not using your sick time right, but you're a big person. You can figure it out, right? However you need to do it, get yourself some time and do that a little bit at a time to grow your business, to build your clientele. Make sure you're not stealing any clientele from your current employer because that's not ethical. Uh, you want to make sure there's no conflict of interest with what you're doing currently. And then also what you're going to transition into. So that's up to you to figure that out. Some places they've even talked to their bosses and said, hey, this is my, uh, you guys know I've been unhappy. I really want to, to branch out. Uh, you could be my first client. I'll always give you guys a discount. Thank you. Whatever you need to do. You, you can't do that with every boss, <laughs> but there might be some that are that are good with that. So the idea is when at all possible, go ahead and start your business right now. You could start it as soon as this podcast is open. Go on your state or your country, however you you start a business and go ahead and, and start looking at that process. And that is starting your business right there. You're opening your minds as to how am I going to do it and then do it. Next business day, uh, go ahead and do it. Or the next time you get paid, go ahead and do it. Get yourself whatever license it is to get your business officially legal. And then after that, then we can work out the rest, right? Uh, get the safety consultant blueprint course because it'll take you through that whole step, especially if you're U.S. based. I talk you through everything step by step and we will, I stop at the end of the lesson. I give you homework. You do your homework. You come back to the next lesson. Uh, it's all on demand. So I'm not watching you do that, but uh, that's the idea. That was my intent when I made that course. All right. So go ahead and do that. Thank you for listening this week. And I look forward to seeing and hearing and anything else that we could do to interact throughout this week. Go get them. And I'll see you next Monday. This podcast is being sponsored by safetyconsultantblueprint.com. This episode has been powered by Safety FM. Here's the thing about new cherry vanilla Coke. Though cherries named first, all the flavors taste just as great. I mean, it could have just as easily been vanilla cherry Coke, or it could have been Coke cherry vanilla. And since it's two amazing flavors of Coke, it might have been Coke vanilla cherry Coke or cherry vanilla Coke Coke. Mm, unless you're in France, which would make it Le Coke de la Vanilla de la Cherry de la Creme. New Cherry Vanilla Coke, so good together. And New Cherry Vanilla Coke, zero sugar, same great taste, zero sugar. Celebrate the big 2020 with T-Mobile. Switch now and get two lines for just 90 bucks and two new iPhone 11s on us. So you can take a portrait built for two with the ultra-wide camera. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, cute. Hurry in to T-Mobile and get two lines for 90 bucks and two iPhone 11s on us with qualifying trade-ins. Via 24 credits for well-qualified buyers with auto pay, plus taxes and fees. If you cancel before receiving 24 credits, you may owe up to the full value of your device of $699.99. Contact us. Qualifying port-ins and finance agreements required.
Hey, this is Sheldon Primus with Safety Consultant with Sheldon Primus. And that's the podcast where I teach you the business of being a safety consultant. I just want to invite you this September to an event called OSHA Compliance Help. This event is going to be co-hosted with my business partner, Kevin Yarbrough. Uh, Kevin Yarbrough has retired from OSHA as the Assistant Area Director of the Tampa office, and he has 26 years of service with OSHA. So in this event, what we're going to do is we're truly going to go over things that have uh, effectively been hard for people to understand about OSHA. So we'll talk about how to survive and thrive through an OSHA audit, OSHA record keeping, understanding the CFRs, how to decode compliance letters, and much, much more. This is going to be your time to truly talk to someone who's been in the business and someone who's been in OSHA together. So go to viewstub.com forward slash OSHA compliance help. Viewstub.com forward slash OSHA compliance help for more information and for event tickets.